Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Uh, they took the game to the nth degree today, and it wasn't rugby, so we haven't played a game of rugby yet. I think we might have to go out and train after this. Like, it's hard when you don't play rugby. You know, it's like playing a different game out there. You know, how can you have people standing in your attack line? And that's what was happening today. And even when there was rucks, there's still people standing in our attack line. So you look past the ball and there's a blue jumper there. You look in front, there's a blue jumper. There's blue jumpers everywhere. I think at one stage they must have had 20 players on the field. And the ref can't see two things at once, can he? He can't watch what's going on in, at the breakdown while also seeing something behind his back. He had a terrible day, let's be honest. He had a terrible... So you weren't happy with how he performed? Oh, look, he had a terrible day because he wasn't refereeing rugby and he's a rugby referee. Welcome to another Examiner Sport podcast. I'm Tony Lean. We're here not just to entertain, we're here to inform and educate too, ourselves as much as the listeners. So to that end, we wanted to find out what in all that's holy was going on around the breakdown during Sunday's Six Nations clash between England and Italy at Twickenham. World Rugby is now considering whether the breakdown law requires review following what seemed a bizarre standoff at the home of English rugby. So, we asked the examiner's chief rugby analyst, Donald Lenehan, who was at Twickenham, to explain the law and what the hell was going on. We saw David Pocock did it in the Ireland-Australia game last November from a restart when he ran uh, to what everybody in the crowd thought was an offside position and um, intercepted a pass from Conor Murray and almost scored a try from it. So it's, it's not uh, as if it hasn't happened before, but I think virtue the fact that it happened in an international game in front of 82,000 people in Twickenham um, has just created a storm. And just explain to, to me, Donald, again, like I'm a four-year-old, just for people who will try to understand that, explain why it wasn't a rock in the first place? Well, the law states clearly that to have a rock, you require one or more players each team to be on their feet in a contest over the ball. Okay. That's about as plain as I can make it. Uh, what you had on Sunday was an Italian player who had tackled an English player on the ground, therefore he's not on his feet. And no other Italian player entering the rock and, and engaging with one of the English players. Hmm. And so, I, I mean, everybody saw Sergio Parise, I mean, on the English side, I was going to say on the English side of the rook, but obviously there wasn't one formed, but on the English side, if the ball had come back then, is he active and is he actually allowed to contest the ball? Yes. Uh, for example, if the scrum half had passed, the, if, the, if, if Danny Cairo was scrum half for England, if he passed the ball to George Ford, Parise was entitled to intercept it and run off as David Pocock did 
Kerry in the Aviva last November. So I suppose the obvious question I ask you is why isn't it actually used more frequently? It's a good question. Um, the bottom line is, uh, you know, when you have a scenario like that, uh, 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 like, for example, teams will be prepared against Italy now for, for the next games in the championship. You get away with these t- It's like the line-out that uh, Scotland did against Ireland. You catch a team unawares. Sure. They don't respond, and you know, but you only get away with it once. It might be another two years before somebody tries to implement those tactics now, when people have forgotten how to uh, adjust to it. So in one sense, the fact that World Rugby is considering whether the breakdown law requires review after Saturday, is that a case of bolting the door after the horse has gone? Yeah, very much so. I think Eddie Jones came out after the game and called the whole thing a farce. Uh, he immediately uh, sought intervention from Bill Beaumont, who's the chairman of World Rugby, um, who's also on the Rugby Union in England. And um, uh, so it's no surprise that, that World Rugby has responded this way. But you, you, we've seen this before. We've seen this. Uh, another example of this is you've seen a line-out scenario where one team doesn't engage with uh, the other. In other words, they win the ball, they stand off, um, and and they don't engage. And you see the hooker coming around and attacking the scrum half on the other side of the of the rock that's formed. Well, of the let's say the group of players that is formed off the lineup. Mm. It is look. It's it's a kind of a it's a negative tactic. There's no doubt about that. But um, but England's I, I, England's coach, you said Eddie Jones, um, was fuming afterwards. But it. Shouldn't there be, Donald, a degree of embarrassment on the part of maybe some of his players that they weren't wise to it? Without question. Uh, I mean, it was you know, the farcical scenario of Dylan Hartley um, going up time after time to the referee room and Park, look, what, what are we going to do about this? And he's just looking at him saying, well, look, it's not my problem. I'm not your coach. Uh, I mean, the, the, exactly. I mean, the other side of it was the response. I'm high up on the stand doing the commentary, and all, I could hear all the English people behind me roaring and shouting. Obviously, they didn't understand the law either. Uh, and the same thing happened in the Aviva when Procock intercepted that ball from Conor Murray. The whole stand went ballistic, everybody roaring his offside. But in reality, he wasn't. Yeah, and just finally again, just for the uh, the rule anoraks, just explain what you were saying there earlier about the hindmost foot on both sides and the offside rule as it pertains to that. Well, once a rock is formed, in other words, when you have at least one player from each side who are on their feet over the ball and they're engaged, the offside line um, on for both teams extends to the hindmost foot. Of their respective player. Of their respective player, exactly. Okay, okay. So is Conor O'Shea a tactical genius after this, Donald Lenehan, or are England just maybe a little slow and maybe should be brushing up on their understanding of the rules? Well, I think uh, it was a brave decision from Conor O'Shea to implement it. I I think it was Brendan Venter, the defence coach, was the fellow who came up with the tactic in the first place. Uh, but it, it wasn't innovative in the sense that there have been loads of teams that have used it in the past. Uh, it was a huge risk to take in the middle of an international battle because, um, I mean, had England adjusted to the fact and just picked and driven through the, uh, 
So you're saying really what England should have done was somebody should have just taken the initiative, picked up the ball and gone straight? Straight through. All you have to do, pick and drive through the middle, suck in the defenders who are standing off and you play from there. That's exactly what England did after half-time. You saw Joe Launchbury uh, catch a restart and just, I think he made 25, 30 metres by just running through the, uh, by running straight. There was no opposition players there. Danny Kerr did the same. Mm. So, um, but, but what amazed me, as I say, was the, 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 the time it took to adjust. I mean, you'd have to even say the players obviously weren't adjusting to what was happening on the field, how there wasn't some message or note came in off the, uh, from the sideline. Mm. Making adjustment would seem crazy as well. But, um, I mean, the whole thing was, I, I have to say, from my vantage point, I found it fascinating watching uh, the whole thing unfold. Uh, but mm. you know, I suppose if you paid £110 sterling to go in and watch it, you might feel cheated. Yeah, yeah. Now I know we're catching you at Heathrow, Donal, on your way back after the weekend and I'm sure our readers and the examiner will be looking forward to your considered thoughts in Wednesday's paper. But briefly, just before you go, what would be your reflections on what happened at the Aviva on Saturday evening as it pertains to Cardiff on Friday week? Um, I look, there's aspects with the performance that you wouldn't be happy with, but it's a long time since uh, the, the, the pool game and the World Cup apart. It's a long time since we've beaten France by 10 points in the Six Nations. Uh, I think France, uh, you know, as I had been alluding to in the days and weeks building up to the game, they have improved immeasurably. I thought the defence was outstanding on Saturday, um, and Ireland needed to be patient. Yeah. Um, again, there are issues in terms of. Uh, the attack in that we are a bit one-dimensional, especially when we get into the opposition 22. Um, but look, I mean, that, that one hope game has served Ireland well in the past mm. um, with, with, with regard to the, the, the Welsh game. Mm. Like they have their backs to the walls now, having, having lost two of their opening three matches. They didn't play well in Murrayfield. Um, so it's going to be a, another challenging evening, I think, for Ireland and what is an incredible cauldron in, in the Principality Stadium. Yeah, well, I suppose as, as a parting thought, Donald, it's a good day when we're moaning and bitching and picking the bones out of beating the French 19-9. Absolutely. And that's why, um, as I say, I think France are going down the right road. I, I admire what Guino Vez is doing with the French setup at the moment. Um, you know, they pushed England all the way in their opening game in Twickenham. So, look, I think it's, it's, it's a win that keeps us in the top three in the world. And with the draw for the World Cup taking place next May, I mean, one more win in the remaining two games, I think, should be sufficient for Ireland to maintain uh, the top, uh, top four seeding in the world. And that means they'd be in tier one for the draw for the World Cup in Japan in 2019 when that takes place um, later in the year. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 